Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Diving Board Podcast. I am your host, Jill, and thank you so much for joining me on another great pop culture deep dive here in the deep end. I'm so happy to be back in the deep end with all of you. I missed you all so much, and I hope you are all doing amazing. I've been doing well. Thank you for asking. And um, I have just been enjoying the last uh, few weeks of summer. It's been really, really nice here. We are well into fall and into spooky season, and it's still like 75, 85 degrees here in Chicago. So I've just been savoring every second of that because I know it is going to turn very cold very quickly. So just been savoring every second. But like I said, I hope you're doing well and I missed you all and I'm so happy to be back. Um, Before I get into this episode, I actually have a story to tell you that has transpired since we talked last and it's a little bit of tea. I'm it's it's kind of crazy and I'm ready to um I, the, the second this happened, I was like, I cannot wait to tell the divers. But um, so anyway, when I started diving board last year, I had in my notes app kind of topics that I wanted to cover because I knew I wanted to do a podcast and because I had so much to say. And I knew that I wanted to do kind of early 2000s millennial pop culture that we grew up on and of course, scandals. So I had my notes app of different episodes that I wanted to do. And I'm proud to say that I've checked off pretty much all of what that was on that list in that note. I did Brangelina, Tomcat, Anna Nicole Smith, all of those, the Olsen twins, all of those were on that list. But like I said, I did check off a lot of them, but now I'm kind of like, oh, I have to figure out more content or more topics to talk about because I had that list for about a year and now I have to kind of go back to the drawing board. So I was scrolling through TikTok and I kept seeing posts come up of this really, really popular documentary that was on MTV in the mid 2000s. And it was a documentary I was absolutely obsessed with. My sister and I were so obsessed with it. We had TiVo'd it. There was actually two parts of the documentary. You know what? I'm just going to say it. It was MTV's Fat Camp and then returned to Fat Camp. I'm not going to say the person to protect their privacy, but it was MTV's Fat Camp and returned to Fat Camp. My sister and I were absolutely obsessed with it. And growing up, I didn't know anyone else who was into that documentary. It was only me and my sister, but it was kind of like our thing. And since then, I've gotten so many of my friends into it who didn't watch it growing up and they love it because it's so fun. The kids on it are so great. It's just awesome stories. And I just I I love it. It's a great documentary. So I was on TikTok and I was seeing people post clips from that documentary from Fat Camp and Return to Fat Camp. And it was crazy because so many of them had so much engagement. I know one clip had like 300,000 likes on it, thousands of comments. And it was fun to see that this documentary was loved by so many other people because, like I said, growing up, it was just me and my sister. So I kept reading the comments and everybody kept asking, like, where are these kids now? Whatever happened to this person? What happened to this person? What did they turn out to be? So I remembered I was actually connected with one of the people who was on either Fat Camp or Return to Fat Camp. I was connected with them on LinkedIn because we were in similar industries. And I was like, oh, you know, what if I reach out to them and I get the interview to kind of talk about behind the scenes because 
Because if you've seen Fat Camp, it's an eight-week summer put into like an hour and a half documentary. I know there's so much more that happened that I would love to talk to anybody who was on um, the documentary, but this person I had kind of a direct connection to and I knew I could message them. So I, would, I was like, gosh, if I get this interview, it's going to be so good. So many people are going to listen to it and it's just going to be an amazing, fun blast from the past. We can kind of get the behind the scenes tea of the documentary and more of the characters. And I just had all these dreams of this interview. So I had all these plans to reach out to this person and ask if they were interested, but I was really nervous. Like I can be very shy, believe it or not. So I was very, very nervous. And I, for weeks, I was telling my friends like, oh, I'm going to reach out to them. But then I would chicken out. So I was at an event recently with my friends, Matt and Sam. Shout out Matt and Sam. I know you're listening. I love you for that. Thank you so much. Um, And finally, I had some liquid courage. I had a couple glasses of rosé and I was like, you know what? This is going to be the day that I reach out to them. So we go and we're sitting up in, in the corner of the party and I'm typing up this message on LinkedIn and I'm reading it to them a bunch of times saying like, oh, is this is this good? I wanted it to be perfect because I really wanted to get this interview. So this is the message that I send to them. I go, hi, blank. I hope you're well. My name is Jill and I host a podcast called Diving Board. <laughs> I talk a lot about early 2000s pop culture and have a big millennial demographic. I've been seeing posts about Fat Camp and Return to Fat Camp all over TikToks, and they're getting such a huge response from people who loved the doc growing up. The biggest question I've seen is asking where the cast is now. I remembered I was connected with you on LinkedIn and wanted to reach out and see if you'd be interested in coming on for an interview to talk about your experience, behind the scenes, etc. My episodes are usually about an hour, and I'd be happy to send any of the questions beforehand so you can review. Please let me know if you're interested, but no worries if not. Thank you so much. So I was really excited. I sent that off. And like I said, I was totally willing to send no surprises, all of the interview questions beforehand. I was even willing to give them like final edits to say, hey, I want you to listen to this before I even post it because you can edit out anything. Like I said, this is my podcast. I'm just trying to be nice. This is fun for me. I'm not Barbara Walters. I'm not Diane Sawyer. I'm not trying to do an expose. I'm just trying to have fun and talk about stuff that we grew up with. So I was really excited about this. So I go to sleep and I wake up probably 6 a.m. the next morning and I immediately check LinkedIn and I go to the messages and I open it to see if they responded and their picture's no longer there. It's grayed out and their name is no longer there. It says LinkedIn member, meaning I was blocked. (laughs) I was blocked big time. And it was kind of bummed me out. And it kind of reminded me of that Joe Exotic meme, you know, from Tiger King. Like, I called for help twice and not an F you. What do you need? Nothing. That was pretty much my experience. I didn't get a no thank you. I didn't get a not interested. I didn't get an F off. Nothing. I got blocked. And... Needless to say, I was super bummed out about it. And I was a little bit shook because I don't know, I guess I had all these high hopes. And I understand if this was a time in their life and they were a teenager and they don't want to relive it. Maybe they were embarrassed that I called them out a little bit, which I don't think I did. But I just I just had so many dreams of this interview. But I was blocked and case closed. So I have to move on. But on that note, I want to release a call to action to the divers. 
I really, really want an interview on the Diving Board Podcast. So if you or someone you know was on an MTV reality show growing up, whether it was Date My Mom, Obsessed, Parental Control, Room Raiders, Maid. Oh my gosh, if I could get someone from Maid, I would scream. I'd be so happy. True Life, literally any of those shows that you can kind of tell your story, the behind the scenes, anything, fun anecdotes, and we can just relive that time. I would love it so, so much. So if you, your sibling, your cousin, your coworker, anyone who is interested, please slide into my DMs, Diving Board Pod on Instagram. I am ready and willing for you. Please let me know. I want this to happen so, so badly. And if anyone who was on Fat Camp or returned to Fat Camp, please please reach out. You're still my holy grail. I would love to talk to you. I would honestly be so starstruck. And I don't even get that starstruck, but that would make me starstruck. So please reach out. Would love to talk to you. You could promote anything you want on Diving Board. I actually got an email recently that I'm top 100 podcast in Switzerland. So if that means anything to you, because it means a lot to me, shout out international divers. But truly, please message me. I want this to happen so badly. And I'm just putting it out in the universe, speaking it into existence. And if you know anything about me, it's when I get my mind on something, I will stop at nothing until it happens. So that kind of sounds like a threat (laughs) when I just said it out loud. But um, trust me, it's not. I'm just, I just want to talk to you and I just want to have a fun conversation. So please let me know. Thank you, divers, for bearing with me with that story and that call to action. Anyway, I'm really excited to um, get into today's episode. Really, really excited to dive into more of The Girls Next Door. The Girls Next Door truly is a topic that I've always been so fascinated about. I can consume any content with these three women. I just, I love them so much. They are truly my Roman empire. I could talk for hours. And as I mentioned that notes app before I had my list and I had the girls next door on it. And when I was first launching episodes and I was kind of really insecure about them. So I would always text my friends or my family and be like, is this a topic you're even interested in? Would you listen to this? And when I was doing Girls Next Door, I would text some of my friends and they would be like, sorry, I never watched that show. Of course, I had some friends who were like, yes, totally. I loved that show. You have to do it. But I had some friends who were like, never watched it or the real dagger, I would talk to my younger colleagues and they would be like, I don't even know what that is. I'm like, ooh, (laughs) that one hurts. But I was like, okay, are people going to be interested in this? But I launched it anyway and I was nervous and you can tell in that episode, it's a little bit choppy, but I'm still proud of it because for the longest time, that was the number one listen to episode on Diving Board. And that just exemplifies and reiterates that I found my people with the divers and you guys are all just the absolute best. But it was the longest, epi- uh, uh, excuse me, it was the most listened to episode for the longest time. It just recently got 
uh, usurped by the Anna Nicole Smith episode, of course, um, because her documentary came out this year. So everyone wanted to know more about Anna and found my episode from last year. And so Anna Nicole Smith now owns the top slot. For, but for the longest time, it was uh, Girls Next Door. And it's crazy because when you look at the retention rate on the Girls Next Door, a good retention rate, meaning that the percentage of people who started an episode and finished the episode is usually around 60, 70 percent. The Girls Next Door episode has a 100 percent retention rate, meaning anybody who started it has listened to it all the way through. And you 100 percent retention rate is just absolutely unheard of. So what I'm getting at is Everyone is so into The Girls Next Door, just like me, and I love it so much. So I needed to revisit that and add more to The Girls Next Door lore. And unfortunately, because we don't like to see these women fighting, but a big layer of The Girls Next Door lore is the feud between Holly and Kendra. And that's what we're going to discuss today. And full transparency, I wanted to get this episode out a lot earlier, but it was really difficult for me to workshop and outline because, for one... My opinions, opinions that I had for years are different now over the last year, even different than that episode that I released a year ago. I have some different viewpoints and different opinions after I've read all of the books, I've consumed all of the content, and I've listened to every single episode of Bridget and uh, Bridget and Holly's podcast, Girls Next Level. Hearing their commentary and they recap every single episode, I've listened to that Uh, the last year, I have some different viewpoints and I think I've understood dynamics better. So it's changed opinions that I've had for a really long time. So I wanted to make sure that I was articulating those properly and I had reasoning to back it up because this is the Diving Board Podcast. I need to make sure that everything is thorough. And also, I will say that I tried to record this and I had so much information because I had so much stuff I wanted to talk about and I was trying to get through it and I was talking so fast. I sounded like I was psychotic and I was listening to this and I'm like, this is way too much. I need to edit this out. We can always make another Girls Next Door episode and talk about more things I want to talk about. But it was crazy. So that is going to be the lost diving board episode. Maybe I'll release it, but right now I'm putting it in that Nickelodeon time capsule, which I think they're opening up in like 2050. So we can be patient and listen to that monstrosity at a later date. But anyway, let's get into it. Without further ado, I need to stay focused. (laughs) So, so excited to get into this. And let's um, start. This is the feud of Holly and Kendra. But before I get going into the true thick of the feud, I want to recap really quickly. So Holly Madison and Kendra Wilkinson, they lived in the Playboy Mansion together from 2004 to 2009. They were both girlfriends of Playboy editor-in-chief Hugh Hefner. And of course, they both starred on the hit E! reality show, The Girls Next Door, together for five seasons. And from the jump, they had a very different journey getting into the mansion. Holly moved into the mansion in 2001 when she was 22 years old. She had moved to L.A. from Oregon to pursue an acting career. She was really hustling, trying to make it in L.A. She was a server at Hooters. She was a Hawaiian Tropic girl. And through this work, she had met some people who had invited her to some Playboy Mansion parties. And this was when Playboy Mansion parties were extremely exclusive. And that was the invite that you wanted to get if you lived in LA. 
And at the time, Holly was living with two roommates, and they kind of sprang on her before the lease was about to go up. They're like, when the lease is up, we're going to move in together, but it's just going to be us, so you need to figure out where you're going to live. So, of course, this was spraying on Holly. She wasn't expecting it, so she was scrambling, and she had noticed a vacancy in um, the girlfriends because this was that time in the late 90s, early 2000s where Hef had that seven girlfriend, kind of that gaggle of girlfriends, and there was always seven of them, and it was very iconic. I remember growing up, it was just always just the seven girlfriends, and that was the big publicity stunt for Hugh Hefner. So she noticed that one of the women had left, so she's like, okay, there's an opening, and maybe Hef will let me move in, because she kind of saw the glamorous life, and she needed a place to stay. So she approached Hef, and she said, hey, what would you think about me moving in and being one of the girlfriends? And he wasn't exceptionally gung-ho on it. He's like, okay, We'll give it a little time and we'll see how it goes. So Holly wasn't asked to be a girlfriend. She asked Hef to move in and she was kind of put on a probationary period. And after a couple of weeks, he was like, OK, you're a girlfriend. And eventually she climbed the corporate ladder and she became his number one girl. She became the main girlfriend. Now, Kendra, she moved in at a different time. She moved in in 2004 when the era of the seven was coming to a close. Hef was trying to, quote, thin the herd or, in other words, downsize, because believe it or not, when you have seven women all dating the same man and living together, there is going to be a fair amount of drama and drama there was. So he was kind of over it and he's like, you know, I need to downsize. Of course, he would never just have one woman in his life, but he's like seven girlfriends is just too much. So according to Kendra, so the story goes, she sent in a picture to Playboy for a gig. Her boyfriend had actually sent in the picture. It's for a gig as a painted lady at the Midsummer Night's Dream Party. This was a situation where they were essentially naked, but they would paint on clothes, and then those women would walk around passing out jello shots. And according to Kendra, Hef saw her picture and he immediately called her up and she was starstruck. She had never talked to a celebrity, never met a celebrity, let alone had one calling her. And he's like, hey, I want you to come over. I want you to be one of the painted ladies. And also, I want you to consider being one of my girlfriends. And Kendra was like dumbfounded. She was like, wait, what? And of course, everyone else is dumbfounded by this story because she's basically insinuating that Hef asked to be her girlfriend sight unseen. There was one picture and he's like, sold. I want you to be my girlfriend. And she said she pulls up to the Playboy Mansion. She starts getting painted. They did all the painting in the gym. And Hef comes down and introduces himself. And he says, I I want you to consider the proposition of being my girlfriend. He asks her again. So Kendra does her work in the party and kind of the rest is history. There's more to the story, but um, for the sake of time, you know, she gets rid of her boyfriend. She moves up to LA and she said, you know, the first night he met her, he was handing her the key saying, move on in. And she actually said publicly on the show, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. That was essentially like the celebrity version of Survivor. Do you guys remember that show, The Surreal Life? And it was kind of like where the B-list, C-list celebrities would all move into a house together. And it was kind of like the celebrity version of the real world. This was like the celebrity version of Survivor. It's funny because I think her name's Patricia Blagojevich. She was on the show, and that was the governor of Illinois, Rod Blagojevich. That was his wife. And back then, um, I think it came out 2008, 2009, he was going to prison. So uh, that's another story for another day, but she was on that show. So that was 
our Illinois pride, seeing our first lady on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. And shout out to Rod Blagojevich. I see him jogging all the time when I'm walking um, to the train for work every morning. But yes, that was like my connection to I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. But Kendra was on that show as well. And she's actually, there's a scene of her telling some of the other celebrities on the show, like, I didn't even know the girlfriend slept with Hef. I didn't think he was still into that. He was so much older. I didn't think that was part of the equation. She's like, I lived there for about a solid month before they're like, all right, we're going upstairs and we're doing the bedroom activities. And Kendra was like, oh, oh, okay, so we do that. And do I believe this story? No, I do not believe this story because every single other girlfriend says Hef would never ask a woman to be a girlfriend without them, without him knowing that they were going to participate in the bedroom activities. He would never, ever do that. So Holly and others maintain that Kendra came to be a painted lady. Obviously, Hef was attracted to her. She's beautiful. And other girlfriends said that Kendra was shy. She was starstruck, but she kind of hung around Hef's table all night trying to get Hef to notice her. Obviously, he did. He invited her up to the room. He actually invited Kendra and another painted lady up to the room. Kendra participated in the bedroom activities. The other painted lady did not. So clearly, she wasn't asked back again, um, at least to be doing that. And um, Kendra participated. And the next morning, she told Holly she would be happy to come up whenever they went out. She's only a quick drive from San Diego, and she's happy to come up. So just let her know. So Holly did because obviously she knew Hef would be looking for another girlfriend and she thought Kendra was nice enough. So she's like, all right, we'll invite you up. And Kendra had gone out with them for a couple of weeks. And in that couple week period, Hef had broken it off with a few of the other women in the seven. And it was really just Bridget and Holly left. And he had officially asked Kendra to become a girlfriend a couple of weeks later. Now, this is the story I believe because it just makes sense. I'm not sure why Kendra made up her version of the story. I'll give her the benefit of the doubt. Maybe that's really how she remembers it. Or maybe she was trying to make herself feel better. She was trying to make herself look better than the other girls and like, look how special I am. He didn't even see me in person, was already asking me to be a girlfriend. I don't know. But I will say I believe everyone else's account. But regardless, you see the different dynamics from the jump. Holly asked to become a girlfriend. Kendra was asked. So already there's that kind of weird competitive dynamic. But now that we've established that, we can fully get into the feud. And we're going to start with round one inside the mansion. So let's get into the ring. Like I said, Holly started living in the mansion in 2001. Bridget moved in a little less than a year later. And when they lived there, half had multiple girlfriends. So when Kendra moved in, Holly and her weren't exactly close friends. Holly had gone through a lot with the seven other women and that whole kind of revolving door. So they weren't off to the races being best friends. And at the core, I mean, Holly and Kendra are just very, very different people. Kendra was only 19 years old when she came in, which is crazy when you think of how Hef, how old Hef was. And she had really come from kind of a rougher background. And her priority was, I'm just going to have fun. I'm going to have a good time and I'm going to party. I'm in a mansion. I have no responsibility. I'm just having a good time. 
And Holly had already had three years under her belt under her belt at the mansion when Kendra moved in. So this was three years of creating a lifestyle that appealed to Hef. She knew what Hef liked. She knew how to mind her P's and Q's. She herself says she tailored her interests to Hef's. And she started to think about what they had in common. And they really didn't have anything in common at first. But Holly started liking the things that Hef liked so that it brought them closer. So essentially what I'm getting at is they sat in his bedroom pretty much every night watching Turner Classic movies on an endless loop. But that was not what Kendra wanted to do. Because... Let's face it, Kendra came into the mansion like a bull in a china shop. Again, she was very, very young. This was the first time she was hanging around a wealthier crowd and a much, much older crowd. I mean, the man she's dating was 79 at the time and then his old white man friend. So that really wasn't the scene that Kendra was used to. So compared to them, she was viewed as kind of more unsophisticated. And this was much to Holly's dismay. For example, they just spoke different languages. There was such a big disconnect between Holly and Kendra because Holly talks in her book, uh, talks about in her book, one of the nights, one of the first nights they went out and Kendra's dancing on the booth at the club. She's doing her little booty dance, doing the twerking. And I guess there was a candle and Kendra kind of hip checks it and it falls in the hot candle wax goes all on um, Holly's thigh and her leg. And Holly obviously jumps and she looks over and Kendra kind of glances down, doesn't really think about it and just keeps dancing. So obviously Holly's upset. And then later in the night, Kendra kind of playfully pushes Holly and she goes, move, bitch, get out the way. And Holly kind of erupts because she's like, you just poured hot candle wax on me and now I'm being called a bitch. And Kendra kind of reacts dumbfounded. She's kind of shook because she's like, uh, it's a song. I, I wasn't I wasn't trying to call you a bitch. I mean, it was Kendra. She's not going move, bitch. Get out the way. She's going move, bitch. Get out the way. Like, you know, the ludicrous way. <laughs> There's nuances to this thing. So she was upset. She's like, I wasn't meaning to do that. And that just kind of shows the disconnect. There was loss in translation. They just were on two totally different planets. But I have to say, that song came out when I was in fifth grade, and that song was everywhere. So I don't know how like 10-year-old me knew it, and 25-year-old Holly Madison didn't know what that song was when she was going to the club two nights a week, but I guess that's neither here nor there. But like I said, it was just a very big disconnect, two very different people. Holly was more reserved, and like I said, Kendra was kind of the bull in the china shop. So already they're not going to be similar and they're not going to get along. But Holly even said the more she got to know Kendra, she kind of chalked Kendra up to being like the annoying younger sister. Operative word, annoying, but at the end of the day, pretty much by and large harmless. But, you know, Hef didn't help with this dynamic either because Hef clearly played favorites with his girlfriend because with his girlfriends, because if you listen to the original episode, you know, Hef loved the drama. He loved when women would fight over him. He loved when there was just a little bit of tension. I guess we just never grow out of that. Some people just never grow out of that. Could you imagine it being elderly, like in, in loving, stirring the pot? Like, doesn't it get exhausting? But he loved it. So he played favorites and clearly he gave Kendra special treatment because I think everyone knew if Kendra didn't get special treatment, she was going to be gone. She was so young. She loved to party. So if he didn't kind of favor her or treat her with kid gloves, she was packing her bags and she's like, I, I'm on to the next. 
And, you know, of course, there was the red lipstick incident. If you remember from the Girls Next Door episode, it was when Holly wanted to dress up as Marilyn Monroe. She cut her hair short. She had a nice white dress on. She did her makeup up and had bright red lipstick on and came down. And Hef was so irate about it because he hates red lipstick. And he's like, you look old, hard, and cheap. I can't believe you'd even dress like that. Take that all off right now. Of course, very traumatizing if your boyfriend is ever going to speak to you that way. And Holly remembered that. And then one night, Kendra comes down. She gets all dolled up and she has bright red lipstick on. And even Holly and Bridget were like, oh, no, here we go. He's going to yell at her. And he looks at Kendra and he goes, you look beautiful. Like I love the red lipstick on you. You look absolutely stunning. And that stunned them because it was such a different reception than the one Holly got. So, of course, you're going to be bothered because if your boyfriend was ever going to talk to you like that, it's kind of like, damn, you're never going to forget it. And we also know that Kendra was habitually late. She was always late, which I get is extremely annoying. You know, I'm very punctual. I can't stand when people are late. It bothers me so much. So Kendra, a big theme of the show that she was always late. She was always in her own world. And Hef would never confront Kendra about this. He would kind of blame Holly. He'd be like, where's Kendra? Why aren't you keeping track of her? Why didn't you tell her to get here on time? So that was not helping the dynamic because already you're going to be annoyed at that person because you got the warden Hugh Hefner yelling at you. And I get why, again, this is frustrating, but it's misplaced anger, which it should be towards Hef, but this was the era where Hef could do no wrong. In reading further into this dynamic, one of the big points that Holly will mention in her book and on The Girls Next Door, actually, is that Kendra will often befriend a playmate, one of the playmates who's at the mansion shooting for the week or for a couple of months, and she'll befriend them and then they kind of just go off and they do their own thing and kind of isolate themselves and they're on an island. So Holly and Bridget don't see Kendra very often when she gets a friend um, who's a playmate. She essentially gets a playmate. Uh, not no pun intended. Well, the pun was intended, but um, she gets someone to hang out with. And it's funny because that always bothered me because I always wondered why Kendra kind of put herself on an island because I always thought Holly and Bridget were just like the coolest people. We had such similar interests. They were like my dream friends. They just seemed so, so fun to hang out with. So I always viewed Kendra sort of in a negative light on that sense because I'd be like, why, why are you leaving these girls? They want to involve you and you're not throwing them a bone and hanging out with them. And there is a little bit of truth to that. You can watch the show and Kendra does kind of act a little bratty. She just doesn't have any inclination or she doesn't have any motivation to hang out with them at all. And then I read into it and I'm like, I sort of get it. And I'm going to dive more into that and why I understand. For one, there's the age. Kendra was 19 years old when she moved into the mansion. Holly was 25 at this time. 25 and 19, already a very, very big age difference. Now, Bridget, Bridget was 32 years old at the time. I'm 32 years old right now, and I have no idea what I would talk about with a 19-year-old. If I were to meet my 19-year-old self, it would just be like us staring at each other. It would be like that Spider-Man meme of us just like pointing at each other because I wouldn't know what to talk to them about. I feel like if I hung out with them, obviously I would be nice and inclusive, but I would feel like the mom or I feel like the chaperone or like the seasoned mentor. 
19. I, I don't know what I would talk about with someone who's 19. Um, insert a snarky comment here about Hef's age because I'm saying that a 32-year-old and a 19-year-old is a massive age difference and he was 60 years older than Kendra. But again, another story for another day. You know my opinion about that. But like I said, huge, huge age difference. So I understand why there was that disconnect. But it's the more I read books and I watch the show and I listen to podcasts, I can kind of see the cur- behind the curtain more of the true dynamics of Holly and Kendra and Bridget, but we're focusing on Holly and Kendra. And I kind of understand why Kendra isolated herself and put herself on an island. So let's dive into that because it's a much different opinion that I've had in the days of yore, in yesteryear, in years past. So Holly has mentioned several times in her book, interviews, podcasts, I'm surprised she has not taken out a billboard on Sunset Boulevard to tell everyone about this fact, but she loves to mention that her and Bridget were the only ones who remained, quote, faithful to Heth during their tenure as girlfriends. And of course, we know it was a strict rule that while you were one of Hef's girlfriends, Hef could sleep around with anyone he wanted, anyone under the Western sun. However, you were supposed to remain 100% monogamous to him. He could do whatever he wanted, but you needed to remain steadfastly loyal to Hef. And they were the only people who didn't date any men on the side. And honestly, to that I say, to quote Matt Foley, Chris Farley, I just say, la di frickin' da, Holly Madison, because I don't find that to be particularly something to brag about. Because for one, that is a read and a dig to pretty much every single woman who has lived in that mansion. And of course, it's a dig towards Kendra. And I know me saying that I don't think it's something to brag about being faithful to the guy you're dating may raise some eyebrows, but let me let me get into that further. First, it's a well-known fact that Kendra was not faithful to Hef. She said it in her book, she said it on her show, that you know during the day, there really wasn't much going on, Hef would be working, so she would, quote, run errands. But a lot of the time, she was meeting up with the you know professional athletes, she was meeting at the parties, and she was meeting up with them t- uh, during the day to go hike at Runyon Canyon. And of course, we also know that Kendra was dating Hank Basket while she was still living at the mansion. And it's widely assumed that she was actually pregnant with her first child, her son, Hank, uh, little Hank, when um, she was at the mansion. So it's obvious we know that she wasn't 100 percent faithful to Hef. And Holly, of course, talks about this in her book. And she also talks about this with Bridget on the podcast Girls Next Level. So this has been over the course of a few months. And they always refer to Kendra as, quote, cheating on Hef. And I have to admit, it always makes me cringe because I don't know about you, but I don't consider what they had with Hef, even Holly, to be honest with you, a relationship that you could, quote, cheat on. You know, at the very most, especially with Kendra and Bridget, It was an arrangement. It wasn't a relationship. Like you were there to be beautiful. You were there to kind of just be the fun eye candy that was his young, beautiful companion. And in return, you got an allowance and free room and board. You had to play by his rules. You had to come in curfew. And you just had to be the beautiful woman that sat at the end of the table or at the club next to Hef. I don't consider that a really deep relationship. Because Holly even says in her book, 
her first book, Down the Rabbit Hole, that Hef and her never really talked. She was like, and and again, this is a decade long of being with this person, and they never had really any conversations beyond like something superficial. Of course, they would watch, I don't know, Gone with the Wind over and over and over, and they would just sit and chit chat. But she said, if I ever talked about politics or my view of the world, he would kind of scoff and be like, what do you know? They just never had those deep conversations. And she also says in her second book, The The Vegas Diaries, that Hef knew four things about his girlfriends. He knew their name, their age, approximately where they were from, and how they would behave in the mansion. So think about that. Those are four things. You could listen to 20 minutes of this episode and know that about me. You know my name is Jill. You know I'm 32 years old. And you know I'm from Illinois. Like that is exactly what Hef knew about his girlfriends. And I'm sure you all know how I would behave in the mansion. (laughs) But um, I don't know about you, but I don't think that is a relationship that deserves blind loyalty. I don't think that that it constitutes as cheating if you step outside of it because This man is seeing whoever he wants, and this man doesn't want to know anything about you. Like four things about you, and that constitutes a relationship. Diver, if you're listening, and you're in a relationship, and your partner knows four things about you, and two of those are your name and age, I am here to say you are a wonderful, beautiful person who deserves so much better, because that's just, that's not a relationship to me. And it's funny because Isabella St. James, she was a girlfriend during that iconic seven girlfriends era. And she's kind of a controversial figure in the Holly and Bridget world because she's kind of known as one of the mean girls who kind of put Holly and Bridget through hell. She seemed like a real doozy to deal with. But she wrote a book in the mid 2000s called Bunny Tales. T-A-L-E-S. Very clever name, Bunny Tales. And um, while the name is pretty clever, the book is by and large pretty poorly written, but still an interesting read because she articulates the relationship that these women had with Hef, the girlfriends, in a pretty straightforward way that is very easy to understand. And I am going to read that, an excerpt from her book right now. And it's funny, before I do it, I consulted my friend who is an intellectual property attorney and I was like, hey, I'm gonna read some passages of books on this episode of Diving Board on my podcast, so is that allowed? And he's like, yeah, it's fine. Like, just don't read the entire book. Like, just read little snippets of it. And I was like, okay, sounds good. So I literally consulted, got legal advice for this episode of Diving Board, which is kind of embarrassing, but also hilarious. So (laughs) I love it. But anyway, here is Isabella St. James' passage about being Hef's girlfriend. She writes, I realized the limits of the relationship. It was shallow and superficial. We never had any one-on-one time with Hef. And when Holly moved into his bedroom, she made it impossible. There was no opportunity to bond or really get to know him. If there was, it was on his terms alone, watching old movies. But I think that's the way he likes it. Eye candy who listen to him, admire him, and occasionally say something cute and funny. No matter what he says about having seven girlfriends, it is not a real, equal, and intimate relationship. It is simply impossible to be connected to seven girls at the same time. Though he did care for all of us, 
the feelings were superficial. So hearing that, like I said, I don't consider that a relationship that deserves blind loyalty. And if you were going to maybe talk to another man on the side or go to Runyon Canyon for a hike, I don't consider you a cheater because if you go out to the nightclub where they would always go to this bar called Barfly back then in L.A., and like I said, I'm this is my Roman Empire. I know a lot about them. It's kind of crazy. But they would always go out to Barfly. If he sees a beautiful blonde at Barfly and she's willing to come home with them at the end of the night, that that's happening. And you have to be cool with it. But you can't go to Runyon Canyon and do anything or you're labeled as a, quote, cheater. So... I don't agree with it, but Holly and Bridget, they do think that this relationship deserves complete blind loyalty. Holly says in her book she would see some of the other girlfriends and when they would date other women, she she would really get upset about it because she's like, they're making Hef look stupid. And I hate to say it, but it's like, girl, how is he making you look? Because you're tailoring your personality, you're learning about everything that he's into, and he doesn't know anything about you. And he's as loyal as a damn helium balloon. The second you let him go, he's flying all over the Hollywood Hills. Well, maybe not flying, maybe doing that little shuffle he used to do. As much as an 80-year-old man could get around. But, you know, he's he's getting around still. So I'm sorry. But again, I just don't think it deserves that kind of loyalty and being right by his side. But Holly, of course, did because she wanted to get married to him. She wanted to have his children, which I have other theories about that. But again, another episode or I'd be keeping you here forever. And Bridget believed that it should be as well. She took this very, very seriously. And again, I know Bridget, her dream was to be in the mansion or excuse me, her dream was to be in the magazine. So I think living in the mansion was kind of her opportunity. And she thought, I got to mind my P's and Q's because I want to be in this magazine. But it's funny that some of the stuff she's said recently I am a member of their Patreon, like I said, big fan, and they have been recapping. There was a second season of Secrets of Playboy, and they've been recapping those episodes on their Patreon, and one of the episodes on Secrets of Playboy talks about the era of the seven, and Isabella St. James is on it, and another woman who was a girlfriend, her name is Zoe, she's on it as well, and they're known as the Mean Girls. They put Bridget and Holly through hell, but um, they were kind of responding to what Bridget and Holly have been saying on their podcast and it's an interesting watch but they have been recapping those and reacting to them on their patreon and i know this is content behind a paywall so i respect that i'm not going to give a ton of information because they want people to pay for this content but they were reacting to it and zoe the girlfriend she was like you know i didn't see half as my boyfriend i kind of saw this as a job i saw this as I worked for Playboy. It was a publicity stunt. I was representing the brand. It was kind of like a marketing PR position. And I kind of viewed myself as a brand ambassador, which I think is a little bit of a stretch. But I do see where she was coming from. She's like, I was there to be eye candy. I was there to represent Playboy. And that's what I saw this opportunity as. And it's funny because Bridget kind of gets really offended by that comment. She's like, but what What about the relationship? What about the relationship you were supposed to have with Hef? What about the relationship? And to that, I kind of was like, yeah, what about the relationship? Like, to me, there wasn't one. And I guess it kind of goes back to what is your definition of a relationship? But what I just explained to you, what I've read to you, and kind of the dynamics and the accounts of 
every other girlfriend have said about this, including Holly. Again, I don't think this deserves steadfast golden retriever loyalty to Hef when you are there to be young and pretty. That's it. So if I'm Kendra Wilkinson and I'm there and my mentality is I'm here for a good time, not a long time, I could see why she kind of separated herself from Holly and Bridget. I could kind of see why she wanted to just find somebody who wanted to hang out with her, go out with her, maybe meet up with some guys. And as long as we were home before 9 p.m., we were cool. And hear me out. Like, this is the analogy that kind of makes sense. Like, do you remember gym class or PE class growing up? And there were those kids who took it so seriously. Like, they'd be so competitive. They'd be drenched in sweat when we play these sports. And then there were the other kids who kind of were just there to have fun and not be so competitive. Believe it or not, I was not a multifaceted athlete, so I was just there really to just have fun and get the grade. And I remember when I was younger, I would just think like, I'm going to stay out of those people's way because clearly I don't want to get in their way. They're trying to be really competitive about this, taking it so seriously. So I'm going to just kind of hang out on the sidelines and like I said, not not get in their their way. And I always loved those gym teachers who would kind of split the court and they're like, all right, the people who want to have a really competitive game, they can hang out on this court. People just want to have fun. You hang out on this court. And I think that represents Holly and Bridget and Kendra. Kendra was on the having the good time side of the court, and they were on the really competitive playing by the rules to a T. It was people with two very, very different MOs. I get why Kendra befriended the playmate because could you imagine like you're at these parties and I don't know, I don't watch sports, but I was really into Derek Jeter when I was in high school. I know it's an antiquated reference, but I thought he was like the cutest guy ever when I was in high school. Like, could you imagine Derek Jeter's at the Playboy Mansion and he goes up to Kendra and he's like, hey, I'm having a pool party tomorrow afternoon. I'm inviting a lot of the single Yankees over. Like, bring your girlfriends and come on over. Kendra could never go up to Holly and Bridget and say like, Derek Jeter's having a pool party. Let's go over there and hang out with the Yankees. They'd be like, no, girlfriend, we pay, we play by the rules here. Like she's never going to do that, but she's going to tell one of the playmates who are there and saying, like, let's go. There's a pool party tomorrow. And don't get me wrong. There's no right or wrong way to live at the Playboy Mansion. You might be listening and thinking, no, I would be the rule follower. I would be Holly or Bridget. I'm living in this guy's house. I'm playing by the rules regardless if he treats me well or not. And that's fine. That's your perspective. And I think if you're there and you're just trying to have a good time, you're using this as a stepping stone and a way to live an extraordinary once in a lifetime lifestyle like Kendra Wilkinson was, I think that's all well and fine too. Because I'm going to be honest with you, because if I'm young and single and in LA and I've got nothing to lose and who's a professional athlete, like Travis Kelsey comes up to me and says, do you want to go on a hike tomorrow, a hike tomorrow at Runyon Canyon? I'm not going to lie to you. We're going hiking. We're probably hiking a few times. So, (laughs) so vulgar, but I'm not going to lie to you. Like I am. Come on. Come on. So I get it. I get why Kendra kind of put herself on an island. It was just two very, very different dynamics. And it finally makes sense to me. It finally makes sense. And I don't blame Kendra. I don't. If she was just there for a good time. 
But regardless of this dynamic, towards the end, as Kendra started maturing more, she started getting older. She was um, kind of in her mid-20s at this point, and uh, they all kind of formed a bond because they had lived in the mansion together for several years. They were on good terms. They weren't, I mean, really, really great friends, but you form a bond with people when they have, you share a really unique experience because those are the only people you can really talk about these memories with because they were the only people you experienced them with. So they really did form a solid bond. And you see the finale, which I consider the series finale of The Girls Next Door in season five, like they're all crying because they, this chapter is coming to a close and they really did start to care about each other on a pretty deep level. So Holly and Kendra, they ended their time um, in the mansion on good terms. And it was really, really nice to see because they were so different people. Like I said, they had much different MOs and way different personalities, but they did kind of grow on each other and really form um, a liking to each other. So they leave the mansion and the human potato himself, Hugh Hefner, they leave him as well. And they leave on good terms. So we love it. But it doesn't last long because that leads me to round two, outside the mansion. So like I said, towards the end of the show, the ladies, they left the mansion. They were on very, very good terms. And they actually became, on some level, pretty good friends. They definitely bonded over the experience of the girls next door. And like I said, at the end of the day, you gravitate towards people who share something unique and special with you. And it's funny because Kendra had actually asked Holly and Bridget to be bridesmaids in her wedding. If you watch on season six, like one of the only episodes I've ever seen of season six of The Girls Next Door, Bridget hosts Kendra's baby shower when she's pregnant with little Hank. Uh, They host it in Mary O'Connor's backyard. Holly's there. And they really seem to be on really good terms. I mean, those are really special moments in your life. Someone was in your wedding. Someone came to your baby shower for your first child. So it really is they were close friends, it seemed like. And Kendra says in her book that Holly and her were able to become better friends when Hef was out of the picture. She said Holly lightened up. She wasn't so rule followy. She wasn't so by the book. And she actually started dating Chris Angel still when she was in the mansion. So when she started dating Chris, Kendra liked her better because they could go out, they could party. They weren't under the thumb of Hugh Hefner and Holly wasn't looking over her shoulder all the time trying to obey all of Hef's rules. So they really did start to kind of bond and and like hanging out with each other had a little bit more in common because Holly was lightening up a little bit and she was more fun to be around and like I said I had mentioned Kendra's book and that leads me to Kendra's book because in the summer of 2010 Kendra came out with sliding into home her New York Times bestselling memoir. And the book, it's actually really easy to read. You could probably finish it in like a day. I finished it, I believe, in maybe three or four hours. The font is very big and it's very easy to read. And I want to give a shout out. I'm holding the book right now. I want to give a shout out to John Warich, who is Kendra's ghostwriter on this book, because he, I'm sure, did a lot with a little. Let's get him on the pod. I'm sure he's got a story to tell. But shout out to John Really great read. Um, like I said, it's not War and Peace, but it's it's a fun read. And it really does give a perspective in Kendra's early life, how she was a runaway, how she suffered from a drug problem, and how she really graduated high school by the skin of her teeth. She had dropped out and then re-enrolled. So it explains a lot of per- her personality. And it's interesting because 
she had just graduated high school and then moved into the mansion pretty much. It's it really gives a lot of perspective. And of course, in the book, Kendra tells her story of how she entered into the mansion. And she also throws what I think is some lightweight shade at um, Holly and Bridget. I mean, I've watched The Real Housewives for 15 years. I don't think this is that bad. But she says, you know, that the girls didn't really show her around very much when she moved into the mansion, which Holly and Bridget deny this. And she also said that the girls told her, like, you need to get some clothes because we never repeat the same outfit twice because we are celebrities, which Holly and Bridget kind of laugh at. They're like, we never said that. And if you watch in the show, they wear the same clothes twice. That just, I think, again, just trying to insert some fodder to sell books. And she also says that when she was moving in, um, Bridget was upset that Kendra was going to take room two because Bridget wanted that to be her, quote, scrapbooking room, which is obviously, again, a lie. Because, as you know, Hef rented the rooms in the Playboy Mansion. He did not own the Playboy Mansion. Playboy Enterprises, the company, owned the mansion. Heft didn't. So he had to pay the company rent. And it was like not cheap. It was like $10,000 a month, $15,000 a month. So there was no way he was going to give Bridget a scrapbooking room. But again, just fodder to sell books. What, how much does this book cost? It costs $16.99. Uh, $21.99 Canadian. You got to enter stupid stuff on the in that just so people read the book. One of the bigger bombshells in it is that she said that Holly and Bridget did try to get her kicked out of the mansion and went to Mary O'Connor and said, oh, she's dating somebody else. You should kick her out because they liked this other girl, Audra, and wanted her to be the third cast member. And I don't believe that. And Holly and Bridget deny this because Holly and Bridget even say we didn't know that Kendra was dating anybody or seeing anybody when we were in the mansion because it seemed like Kendra kept a low profile, like I was just saying. So they're like, we didn't know any of that. Again, I don't think um, it's true, but again, you're, you're trying to sell books here. So again, it's annoying when people make up stories. But for me, I don't think they were that big of bombshells because they didn't really even make the press because Holly and Bridget both agreed they did not read Kendra's book, which kind of surprised me because it came out when they were still friends. And I don't know, if my friend's coming out with a book, I'm going to read about it. I'm a consumer of content. If the if my upstairs neighbor came out with a book about their life, I probably would read it. But um, again, they didn't even know anything that was said about them in the book until years later because... Nobody was picking up those stories. They're kind of, they're they're by and large harmless. Shout out to John Warwick. He had to make some stuff up to sell this book. It's funny because also this book, like I said, it's a quick read, but I like to listen to audiobooks because I like to listen to them at my desk. And there is no audiobook of this. I don't know if Kendra just didn't want to sit and read it, but I'm gonna make a proposition. Kendra, if you want to make some extra coin and get your book on Audible, I will read it for free. I will do a dramatic read of the entire book for free in exchange for 90 minutes of your time for an interview on the Diving Board Podcast. Could you imagine? <laughs> if I get an interview with Kendra Wilkinson, I would scream. But I will stand by what I said. I will read the entire book for free so that we could get it up on Audible. Let me know. Diving Board Pod on Instagram. Slide in my DMs. Also, John Warwick, if you want to come on the podcast. But anyway, um, like I said, lightweight shade, kind of just silly stories. Nothing in my opinion, that's serious. And like I said, didn't even make the press. Holly and Bridget didn't even know what they said or what Kendra said in the book. 
But in 2010, Kendra was pretty popular. She had her own spinoff show. It was called Kendra, which it was supposed to be about her dating. But she, of course, got pregnant and she got married to Hank Basket. So the show definitely took a turn. And it was about kind of their family life, her raising her son, married life with Hank, them trying to start different careers outside of the Playboy Mansion. And Holly had her own spinoff called Holly's World. And this was detailing her time as a headliner of Peep Show. And that, of course, was her burlesque show um, in Planet Hollywood in Las Vegas. I saw that show in 2011. It was so, so good. I miss those times so much. Vegas back then in 2011, like just take me back. It was so, so fun. I just, I miss it so much, but that was a really, really great show. And um, this was the same producer who was producing Holly's World was also producing Kendra. And that producer spoke candidly with Holly and said, you know, we're filming Kendra and we're really struggling to find content, to film anything interesting because Kendra was kind of up to her old way. She was sleeping in, which I don't know how you do that with a little baby, but she was figuring out a way to sleep in to all hours of the day and just not really do a whole lot. And it was fine when it was an ensemble cast because you could cut to five minutes of Kendra sleeping and it was kind of comedic in a way. But when that's the entire show, I don't care who you are. You could be the most beautiful, interesting person in the world and nobody wants to watch you sleep. <laughs> like That's not a show. So they were concerned because they're like, did we make the wrong person famous? Like what? Why does she even have a show? We don't even know what to film. They said she was just largely unmotivated and just kind of lazy. So they were asking Holly, they're like, can you help us out? And can you please let Kendra be an under study for a week on peep show and holly was like uh no like i'm not doing that i would like to do a favor but it's not gonna be that and this is my show and i understand when you're territorial of something that that's her baby she built it from the ground up and she was really really proud of it i get being territorial i'm territorial of diving board i mean i'd like someone to come on for an interview but i don't want someone to just up and host the damn thing it's my show so it's like so i get it um i get why holly wasn't into this but she was like i can help you out in different ways what do you want me to do so basically the producer called and it's like okay can you film a scene for kendra come over and kind of tell about all of the great things that are happening in your life all of the great opportunities and what you've been doing and maybe it'll just light a fire under her and will motivate her to pursue other interests that don't involve sleeping so Holly's like, all right, I'll do it. And she liked being on the other show. She's like, it's fun. And it was a good favor because she really did like Kendra at this point. So Holly goes to film an episode of Kendra. And Holly walks in. And it is kind of awkward because, like I said, they, they don't really have anything in common. And their personalities are so different. So just seeing them talk on their own, it is a little bit weird because you do see just how different of people they are. Um, and I, the way it's edited, you can see that they told her to talk about all the great things that are happening because Holly does say, like, I feel like I'm very successful. The show's going great. And I'm so excited about the future. I want to figure out other projects. And she's talking about things. And you can kind of see Kendra's just kind of nodding like, OK. And they talk a little bit about the Playboy Mansion. And Holly just kind of says her life is completely different now. And she's really, really just happy with what she has done in the year or so that um, they've been out of the mansion. And of course, 
the scene ends, Holly leaves, and Holly said she gets into her car and she texts Kendra and says, that was a lot of fun, it was great to catch up, and thanks for letting me be on your show. Kendra never responds. No response. Pretty much block. Me on LinkedIn. And <laughs> and Holly's like, damn, okay, that's kind of weird because usually Kendra's very good at texting. And over the months leading up to the show, they're editing it and the producers have been trying to get a hold of Holly because they're like, uh, we need to get a scene where Kendra calls and invites you over because it doesn't really make sense that you just pull up. And she's like, okay, but I've been trying to text Kendra and she's not texting me back. And the producers are trying to contact Kendra and Kendra's not going for it. So she's like, something, something is up. And eventually Holly gets her answer because the episode airs and you see Holly going in and she's talking about all of the great things that are happening in Las Vegas. And it and it cuts to Kendra's talking head and she goes, I'm pretty competitive and I'm established now, but I just want to get bigger and I want to get better. And obviously you can draw your own conclusion. Basically, Kendra's saying, I don't like seeing that the other girls that I was with are doing better than me. Because of course, Kendra has her uh, her spinoff show, which is great, but Holly also has a spinoff show. And she also has a headlining Vegas residency in one of the biggest casinos on the Strip. So she's doing, she's doing really well for herself. And Kendra, she's having a problem with it because you don't get burlesque shows sleeping in bed all day. You could tell it bothers her. And she never texts Holly back about any of that. So while the producers wanted to motivate her, it completely backfires and really pisses Kendra off. And later in 2011, Kendra comes out with a little bit of an interview, just kind of her talking to paparazzi. And she talks about how she is not friends with Holly or Bridget, and she was never friends with Holly or Bridget. So I'm going to insert that right now for you to hear for yourself. Holly, Bridget, and I, uh, we had a show, The Girls Next Door, and uh, we lived together. It was a very um, awkward situation because we dated the same guy. So it's not like it was like a sorority house or like a sisterly bond. It was you know, it's a different thing. So it's not like we all, we were never even really friends to, to, to begin with. We all just kind of lived together and knew each other. So we're all in our, each other's like lives and we're, we don't really, um, <laughs> we're different. Wonderful. Could you imagine hearing that someone you thought was your friend, someone you lived with for years, traveled the world with, we're on a TV show and that would hurt. And of course, other tabloids pick this up and they have headlines about it, different articles. And Kendra retweets one of them. And Holly sees that because she follows Kendra and she tweets back, wow, thanks for letting me know, Kendra. But Holly was like, I'm not just going to confront her on the internet. I am texting her and I'm seeing what this, what what the hell are you talking about? Where is this coming from? So Holly texts her and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but the key points of the text is she said, if you have something to say, say it directly to me. I think you're a coward for just tweeting this online and saying this interview to a paparazzi and not telling me. And she says, Though you've tried to play the real girl on TV, you're the fakest person I've ever met. And uh, um, Kendra responds, and she's like, girl, I don't have a problem with you. I just don't like when people think we're friends. 
which could you imagine if someone said that to you? Like, you're fine. I don't I don't have anything wrong, but I don't I don't like when anyone thinks that we ever had a friendship. Like that's that's really mean. And Holly responds and she's like, wow, do you even realize like how offensive that sounds? And Kendra basically just goes, who are you? Who even are you? We were never friends. We have nothing in common. We never really had any bit of a connection. All we had in common was the Playboy Mansion. I don't know you. So Holly basically responds and says, we're done. Block. And she said, I don't miss Kendra. And that was really the last time they talked. And I mean, I feel bad for Holly because that's really, really hard to hear. And clearly Kendra had some type of animosity from that time on her TV show or I don't know, but really big bummer to read that when you really thought you were friends with someone, you were at their baby shower, you're at their wedding and that that one stings. So of course, the bridge is officially torched, burned torched, but we haven't gone scorched earth yet. Because we're going to get there in the form of Holly's book. Round three. So in 2015, Holly releases her tell-all memoir. It's called Down the Rabbit Hole. Another very, very clever name. Down the Rabbit Hole, Rabbit, Playboy Bunny. And also Holly loves Alice in Wonderland and Disney. So Down the Rabbit Hole. And of course, just Down the Rabbit Hole of a crazy journey of being in the Playboy Mansion. Very, very clever name. I give her a ton of credit. But I give her even way more credit because she releases this memoir and really releases bombshells about living with Hugh Hefner and all of the insane things she had to endure living with Hef. And this was a couple of years before the Me Too era when a lot of women were coming out and sharing their stories of different forms of abuse at the hands of different very powerful men. So Holly was one of the first people to really, really do this in the 2000s. And I also give her a lot of credit because she released this when Hef was still alive. And I give a lot of the women credit who are on Secrets of Playboy who are telling their stories, but they're doing it when Hef is dead. He can't respond. He can't trash them in the press. Holly did it when Hef was still kicking. He was still seen as a beloved old grandpa in society and just kind of a, a well-loved figure. And she she really had a lot of nerve and a lot of chutzpah and a lot of courage to come out with this book and share her truth when Hef could very much respond and basically say, you're lying, which unfortunately he did. So give Holly a ton of credit. And like I said, in the book, she does not hold back with the trials and tribulations of being in a relationship with Hef. But another person she does not hold back on is Kendra. Putting it lightly, Holly goes in on Kendra. And Holly said when she was first writing the book, she was submitting drafts to her editor and the editor's like, yeah, they look great. But um, there's something, there's a discrepancy between your story about Kendra entering the mansion and the one Kendra tells in her book. And Holly's like, what? Well, what did what did Kendra say in her book? And so Holly's curious and she picks up sliding into home and she starts reading all of those kind of tall tales that Kendra and Mr. John Warwich have been saying. And it's funny because even when you look at sliding into home, one of the first things that say like this is a memoir 
not all of the accounts may be true. <laughs> Pretty much that's what it says. They're like, it's the author's account and may not be factual. So I think they kind of knew they were making some stuff up. But Holly gets really pissed off because she's like, I didn't even know any of this happened. Again, I consider it pretty lightweight, but it wasn't directed towards me. So it's easy for me to say. But Holly gets very, very mad. So she decides to pretty much open up her Rolodex and the archives in her mind and write in her book anytime Kendra had any type of faux pas, was annoying, anything. She goes in. And I'm going to read you a few hand-picked excerpts of the book. Please do enjoy. So this is about when Kendra moved into the mansion. In the early days, Kendra wasn't the bubbly, bouncy loudmouth you may remember from the girls next door. Her personality could best be described as deer in the headlights. It was difficult to get a word out of her, and she seemed to have fried her brain somewhere along the course of her life. At the time, I just assumed she was shy or afraid of making a misstep when trying to navigate Hef's world. So that's really rude because Holly knows that Kendra had a drug problem. So to say she fried her brain, you're being really shady. Like, come on. She also talks about Kendra's, quote, sense of entitlement when she first moves into the mansion, because when Kendra moved into the mansion, she said, hey, I need a big room. I've got two dogs coming with me. I'm bringing all my stuff. So whatever room I move into, it's got to have space to accommodate that. So that made Holly uncomfortable. And she writes, I have to admit, I envied Kendra's sense of entitlement. I had felt so lucky just to scrape by when I moved into the mansion. And here was a rookie who had just gone all the way with an old dude, and her only concern was how big her room was going to be. Though she wasn't as cunning or sophisticated as the other girls who inhibited the mansion in recent years, she seemed to have that same hustler mentality. Which, okay, totally, like I said before, totally different dynamics. Holly asked to move into the mansion. So of course you're going to be a little trepidatious because it's kind of more half was doing you a favor. You needed a place to stay. You asked him to move in and you kind of came in on a probationary period. So of course you're kind of be tiptoeing, obeying all of the rules. Kendra, she was asked to move in. So of course you're going to come in, kind of come in with a little bit of confidence. You're going to kind of be like, well, if I'm going to move in, you want me to be here. I need a big room. So I don't consider that a hustler and her comparing to the other conniving women who had lived when they were in the era of the seven. I just don't think it's fair. I kind of equate it to like when you're applying for jobs, like when you apply for a job, you're kind of like trying to impress them. And then if you're recruited for a job, you're like, oh, they really want me. So you kind of come in with a little bit more of an air of confidence. It's different. Holly asked, Kendra was asked. So it's just point blank, a different dynamic. So then she writes, I need a car too if I'm going to live here, she barked. I don't have one and I want to get my teeth fixed. They're the only thing about me that I don't like. The balls on this girl, I thought. Which, I'm sorry, Holly. Half paid for your nose job. Half paid for other things. Kendra saw that. She wanted to have the same thing. Again, I think it makes Holly uncomfortable because she kind of felt like everything Hef did for her was kind of saving her life, kind of giving her a place to stay. So seeing Kendra come in and not have any fears about it, 
is going to upset her. And of course, she she talks about the time when Kendra poured the candle wax on her uh, accidentally. She also talks about the time when uh, Holly purchased three skirts from BB, one for Holly, one for Bridget, one for Kendra, so that they could all match. And Kendra was like, I'm not wearing this. Kind of bratty, but again, probably didn't want to be the Bobsy twins with Holly and Bridget. It's just she's clearly thinking of every situation that she can make Kendra look bad. She even talks about when they were at a restaurant when Kendra was ordering a drink with this server and she's like, I'll have the sake to me. And the server's like, what? And Kendra keeps saying, I'll have the sake to me. And of course, She's trying to order a sake-based drink, sake to me, but she doesn't know how to pronounce sake. And and Kali, of course, is including that story to kind of make Kendra look stupid. And I'm sorry, Holly, I don't see doctor in front of your name or PhD after your name, or I don't see you win in Jeopardy. So, and neither am I, but I'm not making fun of somebody who doesn't know how to pronounce sake. So it just kind of seems like very, very shady, but it gets worse and worse where she really goes in, reiterating her point that Kendra was very fake and that everything that you saw, the lovable character that Kendra was on The Girls Next Door was just all premeditated and phony. She writes, in the beginning, Kendra was very quiet. The raucous, deep-throated cackle that became her trademark on Girls Next Door was something she affected in order to stand out. I know I have no place to talk when it comes to annoying laughs, but with Kendra, it was clear she was just being as loud as possible in order to make sure every head in the room turned her way. Why is Kendra laughing like that? One of the playmates asked me, unaccustomed to the new sound. She's so annoying. If no one is paying attention to her, she just screams out of the blue. I just shrugged my shoulders, hoping it was just a passing phase. But Kendra wouldn't shut it off until she was certain all eyes were on her. The laugh never did vanish, though. Even today, she still adopts that cackle. I bet it's almost natural. Almost. It's like, Holly, come on, everyone was playing a character on that show. So she's really calling just every little bit of Kendra out. And she talks about how when they would recite lines, when they would do commercials, she, Kendra couldn't get her lines right. And Holly was so worried that they were also going to think that she was stupid because she was associated with Kendra. And she just didn't want to be associated with that because Holly reiterates that she had a, that she had a real job because she was the photo editor, junior photo editor at Playboy. So basically showing in certain ways that she too thought that she was better than Kendra because because she was quote smarter than her and she also talks about how Kendra really didn't like this one playmate named Kayla because before Kendra had met Hank he actually was really into this woman Kayla so he was kind of pursuing her and then Kendra found out about that so she never wanted Kayla in the mansion and I can honestly kind of relate to that because I'm sure most women listening can relate to that. Nobody wants to be around the woman that their husband was pursuing before they met them. Like, it's just, I wouldn't want to be hanging out with them either. I think that's kind of only natural. And also, Holly released that story well after the cheating scandal, the when Hank cheated on Kendra. Um, so you're releasing how Kendra was insecure because somebody that Kendra that Hank was pursuing before he met Kendra was in the mansion and Kendra didn't like it. That's just, I think, really, really shady to include. 
But this part I'm going to read, I think is the piece de resistance of the book, the real kicker when it comes to Kendra and what I have a very big problem with. She writes, Kendra and I were still very much different people. There were times when I was compared to her and encouraged to follow Kendra's method, but it just wasn't me. While she was quite a bit more mainstream than I was, her career moves consisted of things like releasing an old sex tape or coming out with a line of lubricants. While her tabloid coverage focused on positive things like her wedding and baby her first year out of the mansion, lately her headlines had devolved to negative things like why I left Hank, Kendra loses her baby, Kendra's secret breakdown, and sex tape scandal. Um, no thanks. Since she moved into the mansion at 19 years old, Kendra had never had to work for a thing her entire adult life. She went directly from having cameras follow her as Hugh Hefner's girlfriend to cameras following her being a football wife. Luckily for her, whether it was Hef or Hank, there was always someone around to rescue her. I'm sorry, but Holly, you did the exact same thing. And I am not judging anybody for looking for a man to kind of rescue them or kind of to depend on. I'm not judging anybody. But Holly, you moved into the Playboy Mansion and stayed there for eight years because you needed to find another apartment and you didn't want to look for one. You didn't want to struggle. You didn't want to move home and you wanted to stay in L.A. So you asked Hef to move in and you moved in with him. And now you're faulting Kendra for doing the exact same thing? I am just so not okay with that. And I just think people who live in glass houses should not throw stones. Or maybe girls who live in mansions with carpet soaked in dog urine shouldn't throw stones. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh my gosh. Whenever I do these celebrity feud episodes, I get so riled up and I think I'm in the feud. So I get really feisty, but I'm sorry. That really, really makes me mad because it's such a double standard. There were so many double standards in that Playboy Mansion. And that is a huge one. I'm sorry, but I just, I know, I don't want to make it seem like I'm so much coming to Kendra's defense, but I just feel like there was so many mean things written about her in this book. And I get it. Kendra threw some shade in her book. She definitely said some untruths and I can totally respect being upset. So you're going to throw some shade back. But Holly went in and really insulted who Kendra was as a person. She gave personal information about her marriage. Just... I'm just not okay with what she wrote because in Kendra's book, like I said, she threw the first punch, some fake things were written about it, but she also said some really nice things about Holly in the book. She's like, I really liked Holly as a person after we left the mansion. I thought she was really tough. I thought she was a go-getter. She says some really, really nice things. Holly basically looks for every bad thing to say about Kendra and puts it in that book. Kendra threw the first punch, but she kind of threw a dart at Holly and Holly took a two by four and whacked Kendra over the head with it. Like she goes in on Kendra in that book. 
And I'm sorry, but I don't think it's warranted. Yeah, maybe the sake to me story and the candle story, or maybe how Kendra was a little stupid and the dumb blonde. I get you're mad and you included, but saying she was conniving and a hustler and a hustler and how she needed her husband or have to rescue her, not fair. And quite frankly, not nice. I don't appreciate it, Holly Madison. It's just not not okay. I don't I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Like I said, really, really great book. Very, I think, um, brave, amazing. But the stuff she says about Kendra, I, it really, you can tell I get, I don't like it. It makes me angry. It makes me, it, it ruffles my feathers. So anyway, um, of course, Kendra does not uh, take this very well. But Holly does not get half the smoke from Kendra that she could have gotten from all of the stuff she says about her because Kendra immediately came to Hef's defense. Kendra also admittedly says she did not read down the rabbit hole and kind of saw all of the headlines and was like, wait, wait, Holly's going after Hef. Holly's going after Hef. She's like the Mr. Krabs meme going crazy. She's like, what? And goes on a complete spiral. That's one word for it towards Hef's defense. And she begins to take to Twitter, the artist formerly known as Twitter, now X. (sighs) Goodness gracious. But she goes on Twitter and she goes on a complete tirade. Um, For the sake of a lot of things, I cannot read these word for word, but I will uh, give you the gist. And like I said, they're very, very easily Googleable if you wanted the uncensored versions. Kendra begins with now Holly is on the cover of People Mag saying she lived in fear at the mansion. She wasn't in fear with that blank in her blank for a paycheck. That blank is in fear now knowing so many of us saw her doing some nasty blank. She's embarrassed and in shame. She was the cleanup girl. And she ain't talking about housekeeping, okay? And she goes, Holly's, uh, yeah, I, I can't, I can't read the rest of these. But like I said, very, very easily Googleable. They're awful. They are so, so awful. And I know for the longest time, they would kind of say, Kendra's young, Kendra's young. Kendra was in her early 30s when she tweeted this. I'm in my early 30s. It would be a cold day in hell before I tweeted that about anybody. It is so unacceptable, the stuff that she was saying about Holly and It's just, it's awful. Like, I try to come to Kendra's defense with those things in the book, but the stuff that Kendra said in return, it's horrible. So Kendra tries to smooth things over a couple hours later, and she goes, you know what? I made a mistake by lashing out right there, so I'll erase it. God bless. Which, you know, if you put things on the internet, it's going to live in infamy, so that's not going anywhere, no matter if you erase it or not. It's just, it's horrible. And I get... Kendra wanted to come to someone who she cared about's defense, but that is the wrong way to do it. And I know Kendra will say like, well, I had the best experience ever with Hef. Like he never did any of that to me. Well, sorry, just because you had a great experience with him does not discount Holly's experience with Hef. You both had quite different dynamics. She was with Hef every single day in his room, no matter if they were just watching on movies on loop or what, but you don't know what was happening. 
Kendra was gallivanting with all these men during the day. There were things that she wasn't seeing. So it's just not fair to go after somebody's shared experience. People are going to have different experiences with different people all of the time. I actually had a recent story um, at my bartending job, a manager who used to work there. Somebody came up to me and were like, gosh, he was so mean. He was so awful. And I was like, really? I never knew that about him. I never had that experience with him ever. He was always so nice to me. But I was just really, really surprised to hear that. But I didn't react like, nope, 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 I refuse to believe you. Never happened because I don't. He never did that to me. Like, that's just that's not how life works. And I've been on the flip where I thought someone was a really nasty person and then other people thought they were really nice. It's like people have different experiences. So you want to see how people treat everybody because just because you have a great experience with somebody doesn't mean that they're a great person. And that's something that 2016 Kendra just clearly did not understand. And she doubles down because Kendra has an episode on her other spinoff called Kendra on Top, where they're going to crash one of Holly's book signings. And she's like, I'm going to have a book and go up there and say, sign this bitch and confront her about all of this. Sorry, but that never happened. And it's kind of cringe to watch because even Holly was like, they were not coming to my book signing. (laughs) That was totally orchestrated for the show. So this was a big plot line that Kendra was so, so upset Again, she had a great experience with Hef, but that does not negate all of the other women's experience. Uh, So Holly basically responds to these tweets. She's, She's like, these are really gross. These are really hypocritical. And you have to remember, I was there before her. So I saw some things she did not see, which is so true. She was there three years before Kendra. So Kendra cannot speak on the things that Holly saw when she wasn't there. So it's just not fair. But by and large, Holly kind of just said, I don't want to get involved with this. She's in a good spot. She was married at the time. She had just had her first baby and didn't want to engage, which I think was the best way to handle this. And basically, that was just scorched earth between Holly and Kendra. And for a long time, Kendra would double down on these opinions and basically never really apologized about them or said that she was wrong. So again, we are in round three, round scorched earth, until that brings us to round four, present day. So like I said, During the mid to late 2010s, Kendra was doubling down. Kendra really would not kind of let go of that narrative that Holly was lying. Holly was seeking revenge against Hef. Holly was embarrassed of her time in the Playboy Mansion. So now she's saying how awful it was. She kept kind of, like I said, doubling down on that viewpoint. And lately, over the last few years, things have kind of taken a different turn, a turn for the positive, I think. And Kendra, she got divorced. She has a really, really bad relationship with her mom, that not Patty Wilkinson. Oh my God. So she's gone through a lot. And Kendra has really done 
a lot of maturing. And she started her new show, uh, Kendra Sells Hollywood, and it really shows her vulnerable side, how she's trying to make money for her children and really trying to provide and how she's trying to start a career. And it's kind of hard when you were thrust into fame at 19 years old. And she says, I don't really have an education. I don't know any skills. And here she is trying to be a real estate agent. And it really is I think a pretty good show. I kind of like it. Um, it was. It's kind of just like a guilty pleasure show. And Kendra has been promoting it the last couple of years. And you could tell she's definitely trying to get away from that Playboy past. She does not talk about Holly or Bridget. Even when um, I was listening to a podcast with her with Heather McDonald, Juicy Scoop, and um, Kendra, when like Heather was trying to incite some drama about Holly, and Kendra just completely laughs it off and doesn't take the bait to talk about them. So definitely you could tell very much a different Kendra. I think she's humbled by a lot of what she's gone through, and I definitely think she's been growing up a lot more. And like I said, over the last year, Holly and Bridget released their podcast, Girls Next Level, where they go through every single episode of The Girls Next Door and kind of add their commentary and behind the scenes. And I love that podcast. Like I said, I've never missed an episode. It's something that is part of my weekly routine. But there are certain parts of the podcast that I just don't like and that I disagree with. And one of the major parts that I disagree with is the negative nature that they talk about about Kendra. There's a lot of negative narratives that they've painted about her. For one, calling Kendra a quote cheater because she was seeing other people other than Hef. Again, I already talked and I could talk till I'm blue in the face that I don't think Kendra was a cheater because she was seeing other people. And you know that dynamic. I explained it. I I don't consider uh, Kendra a cheater. Again, calling Kendra a hustler or having an ulterior motive of moving in the mansion or having an agenda. I'm sorry, but everybody had an agenda while moving into the mansion. Nobody moved into that mansion because they wanted to fall in love with Hugh Hefner. It's kind of like those old of love shows, like when all of the women would be like, you're not here for Flav or you're not here for Brett on Rock of Love. Nobody was there for Brett. Nobody was there to fall in love. Nobody goes on a television show about love to fall in love. You go on a television show because you want to be on television. <laughs> like, And if it's a Trista and Ryan situation and you do end up falling in love, great. Fate works in mysterious ways. But most of those people go on those shows to be on TV. And all of these people were moving into the Playboy Mansion to be in Playboy or to just live a really fun lifestyle for a little bit. Everybody had an agenda. Nobody moved in for half. If they fell in love on the side, Holly Madison did, great. More power to you, but everybody had an agenda moving in. So it wasn't just Kendra. I think having narratives painted about you like that, they're just, it's so negative. And those are some really serious things to call somebody. A cheater and a hustler, an opportunist. It's I think it's crazy and I don't agree with it at all. There's nothing wrong with going somewhere for an opportunity or a stepping stone. My first job out of college was not something I wanted to do forever, but I saw it and I was like, okay, it's a stepping stone. I'll put him in a couple years and then I'll go and I'll find a job that I want to do better. I need this experience. Like what, do I owe my life to them because they gave me a job? 
No. And it's interesting because I feel like Kendra did play the mansion pretty well because she understood it wasn't a long-term situation. And I think she understood, you know, I'm going to meet some people. I'm going to network. I'm going to use it as a stepping stone because it's like I tell my younger colleagues, never become a slave to your job or think it's part, a huge major part of your life because if God forbid anything happens to you, they'd be looking for your replacement next week. And that's the same situation to here too. Hef was of an advanced age. He was in his 80s. If anything were to happen to Hef, you had no legal ties to him. You were not married. You were not in his will. If anything were to happen, maybe they would give you a weekend to pack your stuff and get out. That's how it would be. So Kendra did not take this that seriously. But to call her and paint this narrative like they've been doing the last few months, that she had an agenda and didn't care about the show, I just, I think it's so, so wrong. And they actually had a producer on and the producer herself said, you know, Kendra, we could see she always had an agenda. They use the term agenda saying how she wanted to meet a football player and she wanted that was always her M.O. We always knew she really didn't care much about the show, which, OK, that could be aggravating when you're trying to make a show. But again, you have to look out for yourself. I'm not saying sell people up the river, which she wasn't doing. She wasn't throwing anyone under the bus, but she had her own MO to take care of herself. And I don't think that's a bad thing. So what they've been saying about her recently, I just really, really disagree with it. And I don't know why I wanted to be the knight in shining armor. But when that producer came on, I actually commented on their Patreon because Holly and Bridget will interact with those comments and respond to a few of them. And I just wrote, this might be an unpopular opinion, but is it so bad that Kendra had, quote, an agenda? Hef was in his 80s, still married, had multiple girlfriends, and had no interest in Kendra as a person. Shouldn't she be thinking about her future? This was a stepping stone for her, and I don't think that should be viewed in a negative light. Just my two cents. So my two cents clearly weren't worth very much because Holly and Kendra liked, or excuse me, Holly and Bridget liked every single comment but mine. So I'll never get them on the podcast now. But <laughs> like those are things I look at. But I did notice I have the top liked comment on the Patreon. And yes, these are the metrics I look at. Yes, I know it's pathetic. But it, I totally stand by what I'm saying. But they are really trying to paint Kendra very negatively. And I understand Kendra behaved really, really badly. And there are some really negative things that she did and some really unacceptable things that she did. But the stuff that they're going at her about is just, I think, totally unwarranted. Like there are plenty of other things that she done that you, that she's done that you could go after, but that's not one of them. So that's what's happening in current day. And I really disagree with it. There are other things, actually really great things, I think happening on Kendra's side where she's definitely singing a much different tune. I was watching Kendra Sells Hollywood and this is actually what got me watching the show because I wanted to see this episode because Crystal Hefner actually goes on the show. And I know Kendra, she really tried. She's like, I want to get away from the Playboy past, but no one was really watching the show and you kind of needed something to tie to get those old viewers in and 
when I saw Crystal Hefner was going to be on it, I'm like, all right, I'll watch, I'll bite. And I did. And I'm really happy that I did because Crystal Hefner comes on and she actually talks about destroying a lot of the nude that the nude photos had have had kept of them, like really creepy photos that he had taken when they were drunk or on nights out, just really, really creepy. And she's like, I found those and I want to let you know I destroyed them. And Kendra was like, thank you very much. And then Kendra talks about Secrets of Playboy. And she's like, you know, one of the reasons I did not go on Secrets of Playboy is because I had a really great experience with Hef. But she said something that I was doing my skincare and I literally stopped and I was like, whoa. She actually said, she's like, just because I had a great experience does not take away from all of these other women's experiences with Hef. And she goes, just because I had a good one, with him does not mean everyone else did. And I thought that was a lot of growth. I thought that showed so much growth and I thought that showed so much maturity. Now people might be like, well, she's saying it for press, whatever. Okay, I totally get that that could be a possibility, but I do like that she's saying it publicly because maybe fans of her that were agreeing with all the crazy, disgusting things she was saying about Holly hear that and people are very easily influenced maybe they're like okay you know i'm going to have a different viewpoint if that's going to do it i actually can really get behind it and i'm really happy that she said that so i really kind of hope maybe that's a step in the right direction because like i said i really disagree with a lot of the narratives being painted and i want to hear kendra's perspective on this Kendra, if you want to come on the pod and give it to me, like I said, I'll, I'll live up to my end of the deal of reading the book for free. So I really would love to hear her perspective because, again, lots of negative narratives that I would like to clear up. But really what I would love is for these women to reunite. Holly and Bridget have actually said that the producers of Kendra Sells Hollywood invited them on the show. But Holly was like, no, I want to have an actual real conversation, not with cameras. And I really, really respect that. There's a lot to talk through. And I really hope it happens because I would love to see the trio together again. Because like I said, I think Kendra's perspective on the show needs to be talked about. And I think she can be in respond to some of the things that Bridget and Holly have been saying about her. So I would love if they reunited. And I do think Kendra owes Holly a very big apology. And I think they need to talk through something. So I'm hoping that we're we're one step closer to that. I really appreciate what, what Kendra said. And she validated what Holly and the other women have been saying and what they dealt with with Hef. I really, um, like I said, think that shows a lot of growth and I really hope we're a step in the right direction but Kendra you got to call Holly up call her up apologize and let's talk it through because can we get the girls next door back together I would live for it so I'm hoping that that's the case I hope we see it in our lifetime but that's kind of where we're at in present day like I said I'm not loving what they're saying about Kendra. There's plenty of stuff to say about Kendra, but the stuff they're saying, I, I don't agree with. But like I said, I just, I want them to reunite. And um, I'm really happy to see Kendra's evolution. Um, people are going to ask whose side I'm on. I am on Holly Madison's side, obviously. I think Kendra definitely did not behave very well, to put it lightly, during the complete thick of this feud. However, I will say 
If you asked me a year ago, I would have been the golden retriever, steadfast loyalty to to Holly. It's not a hard Holly Madison on Holly Madison's side. I think there's several things that Holly has done and kind of continues to do that I really, really disagree with towards Kendra. And I really hope they kind of stop <laughs> um, because I think it's a really, really negative thing. And they're painting Kendra in a really, really negative light and saying some really serious negative accusations about her that I just, I think are really, really wrong. So I really hope that that comes to an end soon um, because it bothers me really, really bad. And this is kind of my platform to respond. Um, so I'm kind of a, like if it was a scale, I'd be on the somewhat agree because obviously I don't condone anything Kendra said about her, but I think Holly played her part, and I think rereading that book and listening to the podcast, there's some, there's some things towards that Holly does look like a mean girl, that Holly could kind of be construed as not the best. So um, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Again, Team Holly, but I'm Team Girls Next Door. I'm Team Gizmo. I'm Team Wednesday. Like, let's just get them back together. Obviously, not the cat or the dog. We miss them. But let's get the girls back together. Let's get the band back together. So on that note, that's the feud of Holly and Kendra, like up to the date, pretty much. That's what's been going on with them. And I would love to hear your opinions. This was a very opinionated podcast. I had so much to say about it. And I would love to hear your opinions. I kind of would love to have like a Zoom call that we could record or like an Instagram live. I have a round table of talking about the girls next door because I could talk about them for hours. Should we? Oh my gosh, that would be fun. If anyone wants to do it, please let me know. But you have to know a lot about the girls next door for it to be worthwhile. Um, I'm going to quiz you. But (laughs) that would be so fun. But I am going to stop before this goes even further off the rail. So thank you so much for listening. If you liked this episode, if you learned something, if you agree, disagree, if you think I'm just absolutely psychotic for being so into this show from 20 years ago, (laughs) I would so appreciate if you rated me five stars on Spotify or wherever you're listening to this podcast. And I would so appreciate if you followed the podcast because you will know right away when the episodes come out before I even promote them. Also, if you would love to join our family, we would love to have you over on Instagram at Diving Board Pod. Of course, that is B-O-R-E-D. Would love to have you over there. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to my call to action. Thank you for listening to my dissertation on the Holly and Kendra feud. So excited to get this episode out and see what you guys think. If you disagree, totally your rights, obviously, but I'd love to hear about your opinions because I would love to discuss them with you. And I just really want to thank you again so much for listening. Um, Like I said, we are in spooky season, so I have um, my diving board October ready to come out later in the month. So definitely keep an eye out for that. I'm so, so excited. And I have a lot of other content planned for fall. I created another list. So, um, It's going to be good. So again, thank you so much for listening. And until we talk again, take care, everyone.